Hi, this is Janet Lansbury, and welcome to Unruffled. In this episode, I'm going to be answering a mother's questions about her daughter testing her uh, as the mother is expecting a baby. Before I begin, I want to remind everyone once again that both of my books are available on audio at audible.com and in paperback at Amazon, in ebook at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Apple.com. That's No Bad Kids, Toddler Discipline Without Shame, and Elevating Childcare: A Guide to Respectful Parenting. So here's the note that I received. I loved it because the subject line was testing her pregnant mother. And I thought, well, yes, that sounds about right. <laughs> um, that's what happens. That's what goes on when children are in these big life transitions uh, of these very mysterious, <laughs> stressful changes that are going on and they feel the shift. So here's what this mother said. Hi, Janet, please help me out. I have a 2.5-year-old who is showing somewhat typical three-year behavior, but it's getting out of control. I've reread your books, and they've helped me regain my patience when she acts like a class clown in gymnastics or ignores her dad and me when we ask her something. But I'm at a loss as to what to do when safety comes into play. I am also eight months pregnant and not as fast or fun as I used to be. And I'm sure she is testing me as well as growing in her independence. For example, she will get up at swimming lessons and run away from me giggling by the open water. The other day I ended up having her sit on my lap the whole class while I got soaked with her squirming. She also unlocks our gate that goes out to the side street even after I've asked her to wait for me, all the while looking back at me laughing. She 100% knows it's not okay. I can't grab her in time to say, I won't let you, etc. What do I do in these situations? I fear for her safety. Help! She was always such a good listener. Okay, so yes, uh, these sound like typical tests um, that happen, again, in these situations where children have feelings um, and the feelings create this impulsive behavior. Uh, impulsive, defiant, not listening type of behavior. So that's what's going on here. Um, A couple thoughts I had reading this. So for me, limits are not something fun that I want to have to do all the time. That's one of the reasons I was drawn to the Rye approach. Limits are certainly necessary during the day, but not during playtime. Rye suggests that for playtime, we have a safe area and we really try to set things up so that children can pretty much do whatever they want to do within that safe, structured environment. Now, if our child at this young toddler age is going to things like a gymnastics class or uh, even a swimming class, and I'll talk about that in a bit, then she's going to be having to take direction in these classes. She's going to be following, you know, rules, um, expected to do what other people want her to do, what her teachers and what we want her to do. And for me, that's just not, you know, as a parent, that's not an ideal setup. And I don't think it really serves children that well to be taking a lot of direction at this age during playtime. I mean, I consider 
Anytime that children aren't, you know, brushing their teeth, getting ready for bed, eating, taking a bath, you know, even taking a bath is sort of a playtime, but there are rules around it. I consider the rest of the time, ideally, to be playtime. And yes, there are going to be things that, you know, we want to do, maybe take our child to a a play group of some kind, you know, that's hopefully very free play, open-ended type of group that really serves their developmental needs. Or, you know, there's times where we do have special things that that we're doing where, you know, our child has to go in the car and other things that have structure around them. But I would do the minimum of those and really maximize safe at-home play or open-ended park play, things like that. Especially in these kinds of situations When children are going to be, I guess you could say, at their worst, they're going to be at their most impulsive, they have feelings, they have stress around, you know, what's my life going to be like? Everybody's talking about this baby that's coming, and maybe some people are telling me how wonderful it's going to be, but I don't know what this is going to be like. All I know is that this other person's coming, and, you know, everybody's getting all excited about that now. And where am I going to stand in this? What's going to happen to me? Are my parents going to still treasure me as they've done? It's very, very scary and mysterious to children. And there are some children that actually seem to calm down after the baby is born because some of the mystery's out of the way, at least for a while, until that baby starts moving around and and becoming more of a rival to the child. You know, each child has their own dynamic with these kinds of changes and transitions. So anything goes. But what we do know is that this is a time of, you know, emotional crisis might be too strong a term, but it's definitely an uneasy time. And in uneasy times, it's better to have less situations in which children's impulsive behavior can be difficult for us to deal with. So, I mean, I think that acting like a class clown in gymnastics is what I would expect of a two or three-year-old child, you know, even a four-year-old child. Children are, are ready to express themselves through play and not so much to do what others want them to do at these times. You know, some children can, but it's not really an expectation that we can have of them developmentally. And, you know, I would even say I don't think it's as positive for them as creating their own gymnastics moves or their own dance moves and and really exploring self in these early years until they come to the place where they say, I really want to take gymnastics class. I've gone to look at the class with you. I like what they're doing. I want to go that's a good time to consider taking them, I think. Now, swim classes, I know that's more controversial because we want our children to be safe in the water, but there's really only one way that we can count on our children being safe in the water, and that is to never, ever, ever take our eyes off of them, even for a moment when they are in or near water, and to not allow them to be in places where they can access water without us being there. No swimming teacher can guarantee us that our child will be safe without supervision in the water. So for that reason, I categorize swim classes with these other kinds of classes. And I think it's wonderful when children want to do them. 
They want to learn how to swim because that's going to help them enjoy being in the water more. So they're willing to go through the, you know, uncomfortable parts of that. Um, They're willing to, you know, have to rein in their impulses and listen to what a teacher is saying. It's worth it to them because they want, because they want to achieve that goal. Maybe they have friends that can swim and, and they want to be able to do that. They want to have fun, more fun in the water. That for me is a good reason to take swimming lessons. Now, I know this is really controversial, but I've seen a lot of examples of, or heard of a lot of examples of swim lessons that really are definitely not fostering trust in children's relationships with their parents and other adults, where children are asked to do really uncomfortable things, you know, against their will. So that's my little controversial opinion about that. Um, You're welcome to disagree with that. So I would expect children to test in these situations. And yeah, we don't want that to really obviously go on with the swimming lesson. And that's why I would say, even if you want to keep her in swimming lessons, I would take a break from them for now. I would really help her know that it's okay for her to express all these kinds of feelings to you, that you're not going to whitewash the experience of having a baby, that you're you're willing to talk to her honestly about how she's going to have a mix of feelings now and when the baby comes, that she's, you know, there's going to be positives for her, there's going to be things she doesn't like, and that you want to know, you want to hear about her discomfort in all the ways that she needs to express it. And, you know, you're going to stop her from doing behaviors that aren't safe or that are, you know, bothering you, but you are going to understand that it's okay for her to have those impulses because those are her feelings that she doesn't control. And so you're not going to be judging her impulse to run away (laughs) giggling. I know it's hard not to in these situations because it looks really mean. Why is my child doing this to me? It is completely impulsive. It is not reasonable behavior. We can't say, look, you can't go out there. That's not safe. You know, all of that because... Our child probably knows that already, and she just has this impulse to show us that she's uncomfortable with this situation, and that's how they do it. They do it by running out to the gate. So I don't know if this gate has a possible way to have a latch at the top of it. If there's any other way that you can prevent her actually doing this, that's what I would go to first. Then I would work on your overall attitude towards these behaviors and her feelings and and really try to uh, really empathize with what she's going through right now in terms of the impulses and what they really mean and why they're happening and that they're not conscious, you know, I don't like you guys anymore and I'm not going to listen. It's really, I can't, this is, I have this overwhelming urge to uh, do these things. So again, reining in these activities that are where we're going to have to deal with things that, you know, we're not going to handle easily, keep her life more predictable, more child-led in her play so she can use play as therapy. That's one of the things that, one of the many wonderful things that children do when they have self-directed play is that they use it therapeutically. They play out the feelings that they have with the hopefully open-ended objects and materials that we give them, they are actually able to express feelings that way. And that's a positive way that they can do it. They can't do that when they're in a class and people are telling them, 
we're going to do this now, we're going to do that now. It doesn't have that therapeutic value for them. So free self-directed play, a safe, predictable environment, a predictable routine, you know, it's just like us. Like if we're going through a, a, a grieving period or we're having other issues or physical issues, you know, we want to live a little closer to home. We want to have more of a boring routine. And again, we, I'm saying boring routine, that's how we might perceive it. But children, it helps them to feel more confident in mysterious, scary, uncomfortable situations when they have these anchors to hold on to. Of, this is what happens in my day. I wake up, I do this, then I get to play the way that I want to play. Then we usually have lunch right at this point of the day. And then we, you know, have my rest. Very routine. Um, She can feel like she's on top of it and that she's not having to deal with all these other unknowns during her day. So even this mother says that, you know, she runs and she's looking back and laughing Um, that might seem like a very evil laugh, you know, or a very, uh, you know, conscious that she doesn't care and she doesn't feel, you know, strange when she's doing this, that she's just very glad to be defiant. But that's not really it. You know, she might be laughing because she really doesn't know why she's doing this. And, you know, again, it's impulsive behavior that's very common in these situations. So in terms of her being a good listener, she's listening, but she's choosing to do something other than what you want her to do. And so there'll be times when you can help her and stop her from doing things you don't want her to do. I would definitely do that. But I would understand that this is her feeling out of herself. So don't take it personally. And don't worry that she's turned a terrible corner. She's exactly where I would expect her to be at this time of her life. This is a big deal for all of you, your whole family, but especially for her because she really doesn't understand. You know, we as adults can compartmentalize. We're going to have a baby and it's going to, you know, it's still mysterious to us. But at least we have some frame of reference for this and she doesn't. All she knows is there's something big going on. And, you know, she really doesn't understand the ramifications. She's, again, right where she's supposed to be. And uh, you can handle this. I hope that helps. Please check out some of my other podcasts. They're on iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher. And again, both of my books are available on audio at audible.com. No Bad Kids, Toddler Discipline Without Shame, and Elevating Child Care, A Guide to Respectful Parenting. I've written quite a bit about this transition to a sibling because it is such an important time to really understand our child's experience and how that plays out for them, um, what that looks like, these feelings that they have, you know, how uh, how they process these changes. It would be nice if it was neat and tidy and we could sit with them and say, wow, you're having all these feelings about the baby, but they're not aware enough of what they're actually feeling. And if they were, it probably would still be hard for them to articulate it. So this is the way they show it. They show it through all these messy, uh, resistant behaviors. Good times, good times. (laughs) Anyway, thank you all for listening. And don't forget, we can do this.